Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. I'll fade the jams out the old-fashioned way for this one. Sometimes I'd use the mixer, sometimes I'd do it by clicking very slowly down the volume bar on the screen. Today I'm opting to click very slowly down the volume bar. Not that anybody cares, nor should you. Welcome to the weekly preview, week six. I lost track of the numbers for a second there. I was going to look at the graphic in the background and then our faces covered it up. I'm Dan Vespers. I am joined, as always, on the Monday afternoon look at the week ahead by D-Ball, B-Ball, the great Derek Ball, hailing from the great white north. Uh, I, 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 I was contemplating whether or not I wanted to say something because some people are going to be listening to the show after the fact. But Derek today is shrouded in a mysterious purple light behind him. <laughs> and I feel like if we don't address it, people are going to be like, does he know the light behind him is purple? And then I just learned that you guys are like living in a, a giant greenhouse there. Yeah, you know what? My wife has has a green thumb. And uh, as you very rightly pointed out, I am in the great white north. It is cold as heck outside. Uh, so we're not growing anything outside. And frankly, with all the critters in our backyard, we weren't really going to do that in the summer anyway. So lo and behold, every square inch of my apartment is just filled with plants and LED grow lights. So this is... Uh, this is a nice little preview of what the rest of my apartment looks like. I badly want to do a D-Ball Cribs episode of this show someday where we get it on your phone and you can just like take us from room <laughs> to room. What's it, so, all right, before we get into the weekly preview, what, what's behind you? What are these plants? Do you know what they are growing behind you? Ooh, yeah. You know what? My wife is not going to be thrilled that I'm going to get some of them wrong. They're all legal. Um, I, I think I that's why, I can tell you right? that there is a, yeah, and they're all legal. Yeah, 100%. Um, there is, let me see, I've got a dragon scale plant i believe behind me uh just off camera there is a snake plant what is that a, a snake plant is basically really tall fancy grass that requires minimal attention and quite literally it grows straight up just in longer thicker blades that's a wow i gotta say <laughs> i wish you had said something else because we can't see it you you, you know what you guys know about aloe vera it's probably in half of the half yes. of the creams and lotions everyone uses well i got a gigantic aloe vera plant just boom look at that <laughs> rotates the screen for us i love it i i just i had to say something because it reminded me we were talking off air about how uh it just sort of reminded me of being in like a college apartment except the um the black lights there are not for growing things they're just for like comedic effect i don't I don't remember what i was doing when i was for a kid vibes. yeah that's right for vibes it's the all it's the all vibes room so anyway derek's in the all vibes room today but luckily he's in the all streams room as well and we're going to be getting into the weekly uh planner mode here and this is the beginning of in-season tournament scheduling weirdness i feel like we got to open up first of all you can find derek on uh, social media at dball bball d-b-a-l-l b-b-a-l-l i am at dan vespers over on social and as i've been doing on all of our shows lately i want to make sure everybody is getting in on the sports ethos discord which is a great place to hang out again i don't know that twitter is going under anytime soon it just seems like things are tr slowly trending that way and i feel like folks are going to want to have a place to hang out when if or when that happens this would be it. I'm throwing the graphic up on the screen for anybody that's watching on YouTube. It is, of course, in the show description if you're listening on traditional pod channels. But Derek, before we get into sort of the chronology of the week, 
what do folks need to know about the tail end of this week? Because isn't that when the in-season tournament starts to goofer up the schedule a little bit? 100%. So really, I think after Tuesday, you're going to see a lot of really funny business because that's when the uh, in-season tournament and the NBA Cup, the qualifiers are all going to be determined. And then you're going to start to see the teams and the players, much like they do around the All-Star break, start to kind of give themselves maybe uh, a little bit of extra prep time if they're qualified. Or maybe, you know, they're just going to start calling in sick to work like so many of us do when they've got a holiday around the corner. Um, so I'm prepared for a lot of funny business in the schedule this week. And it seems to me very likely, although I can't guarantee or really officially predict it, that you're going to see a lot of kind of key rotation players start to go missing as we get closer towards the end of the week. Games wrap up on Saturday and then from Sunday moving forward into week eight, we're not going to have any fantasy relevant basketball happen because every team, uh, <laughs> you can hear something in the background. That's the dog. So we're gonna have uh, we're gonna have every uh, every NBA team is either gonna be qualified and going to uh, Las Vegas to play, or the ones that don't are very likely gonna be going to Vegas to hang out and party. So um, so really, the league is gonna stop uh, stop schedule on Saturday, and then we're gonna be very bored sitting on our hands for another week. Yeah, um, it's pretty. I mean, I know most of it like is going to be impacting next week, but there has to be something mm-hmm. we can do this week to get ourselves ready or like. Okay, so I, I have a lot of questions about how this new... Because th- this is new. This is the thing we're going to be attacking for a first time from the schedule planning standpoint as well. Does this mean that you should be utilizing more moves early in the week? Does it mean you should be setting yourself up more for the few days with just a couple of games next? Like, what's your... What is your general plan? Because I, I imagine it can't be the same as what we normally do on these shows, which is you're using like one or two Monday, Tuesday, another couple Thursday, Friday, and then you're basically done. But like everybody plays Saturday and nobody plays for like three days after that. So something's got to be a little different this week. Yeah, absolutely. So um, unlike last week where I basically just said, use all your moves and use them as soon as you can and just try to get the best players ASAP. This time, I think we're really looking at more of a long streaming schedule, and I'd be kind of more surprised if I did see the majority of teams actually going through the bulk of their moves because you have one less day um, to to actually play games on. And unlike last week where that day fell in the absolute middle of the schedule and gave us some kind of funky um you know funky games that we could exploit uh with the the rest day being on sunday there's really not that much that's exploitable on this schedule there's no monday tuesday back-to-backs so your first shot for two games and uh in three days comes uh from the eight teams that play uh monday to wednesday so really it's very likely that most teams make one move um before uh before wednesday night and then are probably looking to make a second move on thursday if they're just doing kind of like a default streaming play Uh, And I kind of like the idea of leaving those other two moves just kind of as uh, spares, we'll call them, because as I was kind of indicating earlier, I really wouldn't be surprised if I started to see star players rest or you started to see those kind of precautionary games where, oh, you know, he's got a sore toe and we don't want to push it. He's coming up on a long break. Let's just let him let's just let him rest. Um, So I, I am kind of preparing for those scenarios. And I think having an extra waiver wire move or two would be a good way to hedge against them in the uh, what I would say is a likely scenario that you're going to see a star player uh, not playing their full slate of games. Would you do anything towards the end of this week to prep for next week? Or is next week even weirder in that you've got uh, like what one or two teams playing on like one day and then everybody on the other days i don't even i don't even know how to prepare for something like that 
Yeah, I, I don't think any of us really know how to prepare for it. All the games basically fall on the same two days next week. And for all intents and purposes, I'm treating this as all, the next week is almost like a wash. Uh, I, it's hard for me to predict what moves could uh, or would be effective when everyone plays on the same days. And we're not entirely sure uh, how those games are going to turn out. Uh, so for me, unlike most weeks where I would normally say use your your final moves on the final day to kind of get a jump start on next week, I'm very much just I, I'm focused on this week. I'm not trying to predict anything that happens in Vegas or moving forward from Vegas because I think the NBA environment is going to kind of be turned on its head in the coming days. And uh, we're going to start to see some funny business that we can't exactly predict or prepare for yet, uh, with the obvious disclaimer just being that you want to have the best players available on the court. Uh, so whatever move allows you to do that is going to be the going to be the goal. Okay, so now correct me if I'm getting something on this wrong. You are my mm -hmm. scheduling guru, and it's possible that I goof something up. This week, tomorrow, you said is the last in-season tournament qualifier games. Is that a yes or no? So far as I know, unless okay. I'm mistaken, those are the last games, yeah. Okay, so then the rest of this week is just regular basketball games, meaning that Friday is not an in-season tournament day. But then next week, Monday and Tuesday are the the four quarterfinal games. Thursday's the semi. Those all do count for fantasy. And then next weekend, not this weekend, but the following weekend is the one quote-unquote title game, which does not count for fantasy. That's the extra mm -hmm. game in the schedule. So then those teams that play in the quarters and semis, they don't have games on or the ones that play in the quarters and win don't have a game against the rest of the league, the sort of rest of the field, basically, on one of those Wednesday or Fridays. And then the ones in the semis would not have that bonus game on the Friday. So I think that means that you're looking at two games Monday, two Tuesday, and like 12 or 13 on Wednesday and like 14 on Friday? Does that add up right? Or am I missing? I'm, I might be off by one or two. I mean, your math seemed pretty accurate there. I am not, I, honestly, I, with all the different variables that are still up in the air with the in-season tournament, it's been kind of hard for me to nail down exactly what's happening when. Yeah, um, strange. But what you did say generally sounded right. And I, I don't think it would be, uh, I don't think it would be right for me to pick at any, any individual thing there. Everyone's supposed to go two. That's, I think, the yes. the end result. So, like, if you played, That's my understanding. if you played in one of the quarterfinal games, you would lose one of the field days, and if you play in both the quarters and the semis, you lose both of the field game days, meaning Wednesday and Friday. And then if you're in the finals, it doesn't matter. That's just a bon That's game eighty three. The free game. Yeah, yeah game eighty three. Right. Yeah. And that one does not count towards fantasy. I believe that's the way that all of the sites are treating it because it's just not a regular season game. It's an exhibition, mm -hmm. but it counts for the finals of the end season cup so to that end if someone was now you guys know where i was going with this very circuitous route derek if at the end of tomorrow we'll know who's in the quarterfinals right for next week and so mm -hmm. then maybe you could make a move with monday tuesday in mind for next week because then every team plays twice but a couple of teams are going to go early in the week and a whole crap load are going to go wednesday friday but the overload might make that sort of inconsequential. It seems like having the teams that play on the low traffic days next week could end up being a huge advantage. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. 
Boo, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, if you are um, if you are sure that uh, you're going to be able to get a player that's going to be active on those first couple of days in week seven, um, when you're when you're coming down the stretch of week six and you got a leftover move, I, I say go for it. Um, it's uh, you are going to have spare moves in a week like this. So I, there's certainly no harm in doing that. But um, with the way that this schedule rounds out and knowing that uh, on the last three days, uh, Two of the sorry the the two uh, heaviest game days come in the last three days of the week skip six schedule. I'm really going to be focusing my attention on trying to make maximize my results there. If I do have leftover moves, with kind of the the Monday Tuesday of week seven being a real convenience play for me. Uh, having said that, I am going to be looking uh, if I do have a leftover move on Saturday, uh, and my lineup is filled. I'm definitely not going to be trying necessarily to. Uh, to prioritize any one team over another. The Celtics are looking to me like they're probably going to offer some good value coming off a two-game week, looking like they're likely going to qualify for the for the in-season tournament and not being active on the weekend. I don't think it's uh, going to be hard to find a good Celtics player on the yeah. wire. Um, and, uh, and I think the same could be said of the Knicks as they do get a couple of rest days as well. And as far as I know, they're not eliminated from the tournament yet yeah. either. Um, really at the end of the day, I, I think it's just like you were saying, you want to get those teams that are active for those two, uh, two games, if you have the convenience of doing it, but I wouldn't go into week six with anything to do with the in-season tournament as a goal per se. Yeah. And that's this week basically going, cause we don't know, exactly. we don't have the, the final names for the quarterfinals right now. Anyway, I think we have an idea of it, but it's not set in stone. The only reason I bring it up is because if most teams in your league are going to be able to start 10 guys on Wednesday and Friday and then like assume everybody has like a player from one of these quarterfinal or whatever, like the last, whatever is eight teams that make the quarters four make the semis. And again, the, the finals game doesn't matter. You're looking at, you're looking at a lot of teams that are going to have next week. I know I'm looking at week seven right now. I know I'm getting ahead of myself. We still have to talk about how to deal with the, particularly the front mm-hmm. end of this week, but right. If a lot of teams are going to have like 22 games played next week, if you can get two or three extra games, you are right. dominating. That is a massive percentage 100%. edge in a way where like most weeks you add two or three, four games, whatever, you're adding four games over a 45 week, whatever it is. Like you're, you're talking about less than 10%. Whereas mm-hmm. if you can add four games next week over 20, that's a huge jump. That's, two, that's a double in terms of like against your opponent, 24 games beats 20 games almost every single time in a head-to-head. 100%. And you know what? To build on what you're saying there too, uh, I'm expecting once we kind of get into the tournament, I'm expecting to see more of a playoff atmosphere. 
uh, when you're in the playoffs, defense turns up, uh, it, it's up to another level, and you're going to start to see what I expect to be lower scores. To me, that actually says that teams that build in high-impact uh, stat uh, stat areas, so like three-pointers or blocks or steals, they're going to see really, really big returns in, in these games because, A, uh, the small sample size of games, and then, B, I, do, I just think you're going to see a more locked-in, targeted defense once the matchups are uh, more consequential, we'll say. All right, now is uh, I'm going to turn the this the stage over to you. Basically, is my my next okay. plan here because I I wanted to get in front of next week because I think it's actually going to be a a sort of a pretty big deal to be aware. It'd be so easy for all of us to just be like, ah, in season tournament, I don't really want to pay attention to that stuff. But again, starting at well Wednesday morning, at the end of tomorrow, we're going to have an idea of who has these extra super low traffic, very valuable games for next week, and you may need to be sort of ready to take that plunge early, especially when you consider the fact that this week ends, Saturday's what, a 12, 12 game day? So probably an overload, right? Uh, very likely, yeah. You're almost guaranteed to have a, have an overload on that Saturday. Okay, so now, sorry, I've been sort of burying the lead here. Um, I just put it on the screen for YouTubers. If you're listening, you guys can find it on Twitter at DballBball. This is what Derek puts together on Sunday nights for the week ahead, an opportunity to just look through the schedule day by day, team by team, who fits kind of front to back. You also write the week ahead piece, which goes way deeper on this stuff. That's part of the fantasy pass over at sportsethos.com and ethos fantasy BK. Derek, you want to walk us through how to handle this coming week? And frankly, I mean, you can tell me when to scroll down. Just get your, pretend that I am your uh, PowerPoint clicker and I'll take us through your tweets in real time, if you'd like. Oh, you've given me way too much power here, Dan, but mm -hmm. I'm going to uh, Let her I'm gonna do my best to be respectful of it. So, yeah, I've already kind of <laughs> touched on what we're doing Monday. Monday, there's eight teams of the 10 that are active that are effectively viable streams uh, in that they give you um, two games in a three-day window. Of the Monday teams that aren't effective, uh, let's just say that we're not looking at the Pacers, we're not looking at the Blazers, uh, but I do see good value in the Nuggets, the Pistons, the Clippers, the Lakers, the Pelicans, the Sixers, the Jazz, and the Wizards, uh, in most cases, uh, for a long stream, if not a short stream. Uh, going into Tuesday, you can also accomplish a two and three before the Wednesday night games wrap up. If you are going for one of the three Tuesday, Wednesday back-to-back -back teams that are going on, um, there's the Houston Rockets and the Sacramento Kings, which simply display a Tuesday, Wednesday, back-to-back. -back. However, I'm targeting the Raptors um, because they actually not only play the Tuesday, Wednesday, but they also play on Friday, which gives you a three games in four days stream. Very effective, especially if you're able to get a player like a Gary Trent Jr., uh, who is a potential X factor in two really, really important categories to me personally, uh, threes and steals. Really, really great categories to stream. Um, from Wednesday night, most teams are probably going to be looking to make another move. If they are feeling so bold, Wednesday is a perfect day to be streaming because nine teams offer a three and four opportunity from that period moving forward. Um, I've kind of divided them in two on the, um, on the tweets that I've put out there or whatever we call them now in Elon's new world. Zweets. Um, Zeets, I guess. I don't yeah. know. Um, but yeah, I've, I've kind of divided them in two there. Uh, because I already touched on the Pistons, the Clippers, the Lakers, and Utah earlier on as uh, really viable Monday streams, I'm not expecting many of them to be available. So I'm actually really kind of considering Wednesday um, a day with only five effective streaming teams uh, in that the Nuggets, the Grizzlies, the Pelicans, the Magic, and the Suns 
uh, all offer three and four from that day um, and are less likely to be snapped, snapped up in that they don't have the back-to-back -back from Wednesday, Thursday. Their back-to-back -back actually goes Friday, Saturday. So I think those options are less likely to be chosen over. Uh, if you're looking at Thursday, there's basically only two teams that I'm looking at because I really do, as with every week, I'm just going to keep on driving at home. You want two moves or two games from every single move in a three-day period. Uh, the only teams that are going to allow you to get two games before you can flip that streamer aside and get another one are the Knicks and the Spurs. The Spurs are, I'm expecting them to be widely available on most waiver wires because they're one of your two game teams this week. Uh, so I think you're going to have pretty, pretty easy time uh, on Wednesday night finding the, the Spurs player of your choice. Uh, and with kind of the, the way that their lineup is probably going to change in the near future, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm expecting there to be some good streaming value there. Uh, the Jeremy Sohan experiment is not necessarily working out if you follow any of the media there. But that doesn't mean that I'm not going to try to stream him because he's obviously still a very valuable player on the team and uh, still a very important piece for their future. Uh, and I also really like what this does for Trey Jones. But I digress. Um, if you're if you're moving on from Thursday, um, your best options on Friday um, are going to be the back-to-back -back teams. Again, two two games uh, and a single move. Um, so Friday, Saturday, back-to-backs feature Dallas Mavericks, Denver Nuggets, Memphis Grizzlies, New Orleans Pelicans, Orlando Magic, and Phoenix Suns. Anyone who's paying attention realize that I've already said a lot of those teams recently. So uh, I would expect if I'm a manager on Friday that I'll probably be ending ending up looking at. Uh, the Mavericks crew, they do have a lot of really interesting streamers right now, and uh, they've got some of their bigs that are trying to work their way back from injury. So depending on how that works, you might have some different streaming options just to split the difference. I put Grant Williams on the list there, but there's really there's several other names from the Mavs that I'm going to be looking at on uh, on Friday night. Uh, and then Saturday, it's just like you were saying, take the best available. If you've got a good idea of what the playoff picture or the, what the in-season tournament picture looks like at that point, then absolutely go for your guy. If you know you're going to get a lot of games, the early part of the week seven schedule, then I'm absolutely going to say you should target them. Um, but I really use this Saturday part of my tweet to kind of highlight some of the other players that I really wanted to talk about this week, but maybe didn't have a schedule specific reason to bring up earlier on. So I just listed a bunch of names here of, of guys that I'm really kind of into lately and uh, that I'm expecting to see move up on uh, uh, be trending names on the waiver wire lately. So I just gave out some names like Craig Porter Jr., Kobe White, Dario Saric, Dorian Finney-Smith, Isaiah Joe, Jabari Walker, Jaime Jaquez Jr., Malik Beasley, Nas Reed, Obi Toppin, and Sadiq Bey. Now some of those guys aren't going to be available in competitive leagues, but I think you're probably going to find a couple of useful guys on that list that I do expect to give some really good value uh, in the short term. Wow. That was well done, my good man. And I, I think I was scrolling at the proper speed. To be honest, I looked away, but it looked like you were keeping up with me most of the time. I forgot to be a good director and tell you what to do. No, no, I heard you. As you were getting to the different uh, days, I was I was bringing it down. Your last tweet, by the way, in that thread is one that you probably should have talked about as well because that, again, is a shout-out to what you're doing over at Sports Ethos with the Week Ahead piece that is available there now. And uh, I'm not going to put that on the screen because that is behind the paywall. But one thing that I will do is take a look at the chat room because I think we do actually have a couple of uh, stream questions. Here, here we go. Got one from Mr. Jason. Start two of these guys this week. No streaming. So this is a full week lineup lock. Mitchell Robinson for three games. KCP for four. Or Max Struess for three games. It's only a six-cat Roto League, which I'm assuming is no turnovers and no percentages. But we don't have confirmation on that. 
Um, so basically like a points league, effectively, kind of question. So mm-hmm. Mitch Rob for three, Struess for three, KCP for four. Which way do you look on this one for a weekly lock? Well, I'm definitely going Mitch Rob right off the bat. Mitch Rob was my first very clear. You got to pick him because I think he does a lot of work in the in the categories where you're going to feel the most impact. I love rebounds. I love blocks. I think those are really productive categories that you're going to see uh, really good value in from him. I think he's an elite, elite producer of both of those areas. And you want to get the elite guys in whenever you can. Uh, and then because it's six cat and we're taking percentages out of the game, uh, I think I'm actually going to give KCP the bump here. Uh, I think he's filling up the counting stats a little bit more, and I trust him to give me more steals than uh, Max Struess does. As much as Max Struess has been a very valuable, very impressive, and just generally a uh, very fun to roster fantasy player, um, that extra game with KCP plus a little bit more of a rounded line from KCP kind of puts him over the edge for me. Yeah, I'm definitely on with you on KCP. I think between the other ones, it's a little bit of a coin flip, but there's a nice thing with the with the Mitchell Robinson side there, like you talked about, of of maybe a little bit less variability. Um, mm-hmm. In these situations with the weekly lineup lock, if you've got guys that are even remotely close together, you go with the one that has the extra game. So that's what, to, in my mind, makes KCP sort of the uh, pretty easy choice for one of the two. Um, let's see. These other questions are actually not weekly lineup questions, but I'll give you one anyway, because I think we've got you about 30 more seconds here. Uh, how about, how about this one? Do you think Buddy Heald for OG Ananobi is a fair buy low offer? I think you could try. I don't think it's going to get it done, but I would, I'd give it a shot. Listen, if I can acquire Buddy he- or OG or Ananobi for Buddy Heald, I'm doing that 10 times out of 10. If I'm playing in a league where I can throw in draft picks to grease the wheels and try to make that trade happen, I'm also doing that. Um, I, I'm 100% in on OG Ananobi. He is exactly what he was in all previous seasons. We're just seeing a bit of a slump right now as the whole team that he plays on is really struggling and he's working his way back from injury. So if you're able to buy low on OG, go for it. And if it only costs you Buddy Heald, then you should be singing all the way to the bank. This one also isn't a weekly choice, but I am curious your thoughts on Markel Fultz. That's not technically the question. It's should I drop Santi Aldama yeah. f- to stash Markel Fultz? But what do you think he's going to be this year? Because I was always in the kind of, I, I don't know that he ever really gets like bursting through that top 90 window. Now I'm a little bit unsure if he even gets quite to there. Um, but with the lack of timeline, I find it really hard to tell people to stash Fultz right now. Yeah, I've been fairly quiet on the Fultz front for several years now. I'm not necessarily against him as a player, but I am very much in favor of his two backcourt mates that he's sharing that point guard position with. I have drafted and held Cole Anthony in a lot of leagues this year. Uh, I believe in him as the best counting stats creator on the Magic, uh, and I did that regardless of whether Fultz was healthy or not. And then, uh, I mean, everyone's talking about Jalen Suggs lately. Uh, I'm personally a believer that he's got the highest ceiling among that group of three point guards there. And I think we're starting to see Suggs really reach for that ceiling. Um, so with the, co- the the combined success of Cole Anthony and Jalen Suggs just kind of filling in that point guard spot and with Suggs doing a really, really good job of replicating the defensive value that Fultz brings to the table, I'm not sure that Fultz is going to have as firm of a hold on the starting spot as he did before he got injured. And then you talk about Fultz as kind of more of a connecting piece than, more, than uh, maybe a do-it-yourself guy. Um, I'm kind of more of the, of the mind that, uh, you get more of that kind of alpha bulldog mentality from Cole Anthony, uh, and from Jalen Suggs. So I think they're more likely to go out and get theirs, even if they're in limited minutes. Um, so if Fultz is hurting or if Fultz is in a reduced role 
or if it, he is in any other way trying to round back into shape, I just don't think he's going to be the same sort of fantasy producer that his two backcourt mates are. Having said that, I'm never opposed to streaming a guy that's going to be productive in assists and steals. So at worst, he is a standard league stream, if not a hold that you're going to keep near the bottom of your roster. Uh, Mr. Jason did clarify it is no percentages, no turnovers, but had a follow-up. Russell Westbrook with four games versus Mitch Robb with three. This is intriguing because Westbrook's very painful weaknesses are the three categories that aren't mm. on the board for this team. I might go Westy here just for the extra ball game. What about you? Yeah, so I mean, honestly, if you're looking at their stats over the last week, uh, Westbrook and uh, Robinson are basically scoring at the same clip. Uh, since we said Rob, uh, rebounds don't matter, I'm just going to go ahead and skip by that. Um, so it's really just a matter of whether you think that um, Russ's five or six assists are worth more than Mitch Robinson's block and a half per game. So if you're talking about uh, a four game period, you're looking at somewhere between, you know, 20 and 24 assists for Westbrook versus, let's say, uh, seven blocks for Robinson. Um, I would rather if I uh, if I knew that I was going to be uh, competitive in assists, I think I would rather have him because I, I wouldn't necessarily rule out that Westbrook could be productive defensively. Whereas I know that you're really not going to get that much more out of Robinson, even if he does have a good game. Yeah. He might do four things in the same categories, but Westbrook, as we know, Mr. Triple-Double, he is all over the place, all over the stat sheet. He's not doing great right now, but at least he has the ability to outproduce those numbers. Yeah. Uh, I'm not exactly optimistic about either scenario. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> uh, all right, Derek, yeah. get back to your day. Thank you. Uh, and, you know, you can float back into the sweet purple abyss behind you. Yeah, Dan, I got some plants to water, so... Yeah, clearly, uh, uh, way more than I realized. He is Derek Ball. He's at D-Ball, B-Ball. He writes the week ahead piece for Sports Ethos. He's the guy that I get to get educated by here on these Mondays. Derek, I'm sorry for taking us all the way into week seven. I just felt like this is sort of a, we needed to get like a two-week look ahead here to, do, to really knock it all out. Um, good luck with your lineups this week. Thank you, sir. It's been a pleasure as always. And uh, let's talk more about week seven in the very near future. Yeah, we're going to probably have to do that on social. Derek, we'll see Have you soon. See ya. He is Derek Ball, always uh, the man here on our Monday shows. I got a couple more things to knock out before we wrap up the show. Um, I'll try to hit a, a, another question or two that maybe wasn't specifically about the week ahead. I want to try to save Derek generally for those types of questions. Um, but one thing that's a bit of a callback on this show to when it was just called the weekly lineup show, for those that may remember those old days, is making lineup decisions. And actually, we just got some breaking news in the middle of our podcast two minutes ago. Nikola Jokic was ruled out for the Nuggets ball game tonight, which makes me take a look at them and think, where are they now? Ah, they're in L.A. taking on the Clippers. That line has already jumped up to Clippers by seven. It's the second half of a back-to-back, -back and the Nuggets are, you know, they've got a pretty good record this year, so I, I don't think that they have any massive fears about where they're going to end up at 11-6. and six. And, you know, you're seeing a little bit of what we kind of imagined would happen, which is off a championship run, you just can't keep your foot on the gas the whole damn season. And so on these slightly tougher scheduling days, sometimes you're going to see stuff like this. Now, let's hope that the back injury doesn't linger. I'm assuming he'll be back for their next ball game. And, you know, the Nuggets have a, not a fantastic schedule this week, but not a bad one. It's a four-game week. They've got a back-to-back -to -back towards the end of it. Is that one where he could potentially see another day off at a Phoenix-Sacramento back-to-back? Hard to say, but either way, you're playing Nikola Jokic. 
I mean, you, you, I mean, you, you basically have to because he's he's freaking Nikola Jokic. Um, other players that are game time decisions that you're making tough calls on. Kevin Durant uh, was questionable for their game on Sunday. He ended up sitting that out. They're off today and tomorrow. But then their schedule is a little bit backloaded this week, as you just heard from Derek. Phoenix plays on Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. I'm assuming you get KD for two of those ball games, and that would be more than enough. So he's also a go. Larry Markin is a little bit of an interesting one. Um, he is already out with a hamstring strain, and that's a little bit concerning because hamstrings aren't usually the world's fastest in terms of recovery. It's also a couple of home games, which are the ones that tend to be a little bit easier uh, for players to put up numbers in. Not that that's like easier for him to play through an injury. Utah's a four-game week. They're in Memphis. They're at Minnesota. Uh, then they're back home to take on Portland towards the end of the week. There's a back-to-back in there. Uh, feels like two for Market. It might be a good ending. That makes him one, in my opinion, one of the hardest calls of the week. I, I probably roll the dice and hope you get one or two. But, man, if you have a four-gamer that's a possible fill-in that could even get you part of the way to what he'd do in two ball games, which is like 47 points, uh, 16, 17 rebounds, a couple steals, a couple blocks, and, and six three-pointers. That's easier said than done. But, you know, you're talking about a guy that's like 12 points, four or five boards, and, you know, half a steal, half a block, and, and one and a half threes. Those types of guys are floating on the wire. And that way, if Markkinen ends up missing the third game and he only plays one, you dodge that possible bullet. It's a hard call to make. I, I know it, but uh, I think I would probably try to go find a four-gamer if I could. Uh, Bam Adebayo and Duncan Robinson were full participants in, in the Heat's Monday practice, so the expectation is that they'll be back tomorrow, so you can fire both of those guys up. CJ McCollum is hoping to make a return later this week. I think I would probably still keep him benched. We don't know exactly how his minutes are going to look coming back from a lung injury. They might just run him out there for big minutes, but my guess is that they'll ease him in a little bit, so probably keep him benched for one more week. LaMelo Ball, I'm putting on my bench. He's doubtful for their next ball game. He has a history of ankle issues. I mean, maybe he gets back in there for a couple towards the tail end of this week, but you're that's really rolling the dice. It's only a three-game week, and we already know he's almost definitely going to miss the first one. I'm thinking you're looking at one, one and a half games is sort of the way you have to picture it in your head. Two would be a fantastic scenario for him, and I, I just, I, I'm not confident that we get there, so I'd probably keep LaMelo Ball on my bench. Porzingis, I'm keeping benched. Nick Claxton's an interesting one. He's dealing with an ankle sprain, uh, and he's questionable for their ball game tomorrow. And I'll be perfectly honest with you guys, I really don't have a good feel for whether or not he's going to go. Um, if he sits it out, then you're looking at a two-game week for a guy who is barely good enough to, to drop in for a two-gamer. I'd probably keep him benched and play it safe, but you guys know me. I, I tend to be a little bit more cautious. Jimmy Butler is questionable with an ankle tweak. I'd probably start him this week. I, I think he's... Uh, going to give you two games, although he did miss practice uh, earlier today, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so we'll see. I think they're just trying to give him some extra time off. Tyler Hero is still on the bench. Cam Thomas is still on the bench. Jalen Johnson's out a month, so he's obviously on the bench. Kelly Oubre benched. Derek White played. Um, he's got a cold, but I'm going to assume that he's that he's going to give it a go. Um, Zach Levine is sort of constantly in and out of the injury report with that foot soreness, the tough to 
I mean, I don't know how you take him out considering he's mostly playing through it, but the eh. Cam Johnson's a go. Sounds like Keegan Murray's likely back for the Kings, so he'll be a go for later this week. Um, and then that's probably about as far down the board as we really need to venture, right? Oh, Drew Holiday is sort of an interesting one. Uh, he's questionable for the Celtics game tomorrow. It's a two-game week, so probably keep him on your bench. And those are likely the guys you're making the weekly calls on. Because anybody ranked farther down the board, if they're even so much as questionable, you probably keep them aside. Jamal Murray may come back at some point this week. That would be really nice for them. Uh, but I don't think that you can start him with the hope that he comes back. I think you got to let him actually show up before you do it. And that, I think, is probably your weekly calls. As, by the way, um, Cam Reddish just got ruled out for the Lakers tonight. Uh, which means that someone like a Torian Prince probably does retain some kind of value. And that, I think, is probably your decision-making tree for this evening. Let's see what questions I can lightning round my way through. I don't want this one to go longer than 45 because I've already did an hour and 15-minute show earlier today. Air Dunk says, should I drop Keontae George for Dyson Daniels or stash Trey, stash Trey Murphy now instead? 8-cat roto. Your IL already has Bradley Beal and Tyler Hero. I mean, over the next few games, Dyson Daniels is probably better, but CJ McCollum coming back almost definitely obliterates that. So probably just hold on to Keontae George unless you unless it's a three IL and then you get Trey Murphy and you pick one of these guys back up again. Sadiq Bey or Marcus Smart rest of season? Uh, probably Marcus Smart, although, you know, Bay's going to play for the next couple weeks and Smart isn't, so that's a complicating factor. If you need to win the next couple weeks, Sadiq Bay. If you're talking about, like, who to sit on for Roto, it's probably Smart. Someone offered me LaMelo Ball for Kristaps Porzingis and Desmond Bain in a 14-team points league. That's too much. Yeah, that's an overpay. What are we selling Chet for in a 10-teamer due to concerns over injuries? I, I don't know that I have concerns over injuries. He seems pretty tough so far. Uh, if you can get somebody inside the top 18 to 20, 18 to 20, I would do it. Otherwise, man, he's rolling. Maybe top 24, top two rounds. That's about it. What are your thoughts on stashing Amen Thompson? I don't think he's going to do much this year. You're talking about next, maybe even the season after, because the Rockets are trying to win now. Scoot Henderson, question mark, 10-team points league. Yeah, you probably want to sit on him. He'll be a 10-teamer in points leagues by February, but, like, I mean, it's a tough. It's going to be a long road to get there. He's going to be a suboptimal player for your team for the next however bit. Dan, I have Kawhi and Kevin Durant in a 16-teamer. I'm planning to flip both of them due to historical injuries. Who can I target? I mean, here's the thing. There really was never a plan there, because if somebody didn't want those guys, they probably didn't draft them. I'm not as worried about it as others. Um, I think Kevin Durant is a beast. So, like, what are you going to sell him for? Another first-rounder? that you maybe could have drafted anyway. I don't think this is going to make any sense for you. And then Kawhi, you can't really flip right now because the Clippers are still trying to figure out how to fit their pieces together. I need to trade Jimmy Butler. 
who and best player to look for? Uh, you should be able to get somebody inside the top 30, I would think, back for Butler. I know he's number 36 right now, but he's been trending up. And yeah, he misses games here and there. That's sort of the, the magic of Jimmy. I don't really know who you can target, though. You kind of need him to, to get going before you could do it. You might be able to get like a Desmond Bain if you wanted. Um, I don't know if that's the direction you'd want to go. DeJounte Murray, you could get. James Harden, you could probably get. Freddie Van Vliet, you could get. These guys are less banged up, but I think I'd rather until Harden's rolling. Not Harden, excuse me. Butler's rolling, and then see if you can aim a little higher at that point. Uh, Let's see. Ja and DeAndre Ayton for Kyrie Irving. Yeah, give me Kyrie and Nine Cat there. Should I pick up Trey Murphy? I would drop Keontae George, Goga Batadze, or Eric Gordon. Yeah, um, you could probably get away with dropping either Goga or Gordon. If we think Kevin Durant comes back pretty soon, then Eric Gordon gets kind of clunky. Either one of those two, I think I would do it. Because I think Trey Murphy's going to have some value when he comes back in a way that right now, Goga and, and Gordon, these guys are stream level. Who to drop to stash Anthony Simons among Austin Reeves, Cam Johnson, Chris Paul, or Brooke Lopez? 10-team points league. Ah, the magic of points formats. So it's hard for me to know exactly what those guys are averaging in your points league. I'm guessing that Chris Paul's probably the lowest number, but maybe it's Reeves because of his slow start. It's probably going to end up being either Johnson or Chris Paul, but I don't know the, the ESPN points numbers for those dudes off the top of my head. Keontae George or Scoot rest of season. I think I'd rather have Scoot. Who do you prefer between Shaden Sharp or Onyeka Okongwu? 10-man, 9-cat, Okongwu. And I'm not sure either of those guys is a 10-teamer right this second. Does Dyson Daniels' value go in the toilet when C.J. McCollum returns? Probably. Thoughts on Jabari Smith Jr. rest of season? Well, he's inside the top 90 right now. I think I'd be happy if he stayed there. Um, so, But also, it feels like maybe his field goal percent could taper off a little bit. Somewhere, but he's a tough one, man. High volatility dude. Somewhere between 75 and 130, and it really is not localized to a particular narrower window. What is Devin Vassell's trade value in a points league comparable to? Uh, so he's, I would venture to say, a little better in points leagues because the free throw number is not great, and typically the field goal number is a little lower, but he's sort of running hot right now. Um, maybe like top 75, top 70, something like that. Vassell points league. Should I stash Kelly Oubre for Scoot or Brandon Miller? I think I'd rather have Oubre over Scoot. I don't know that Miller has, like Miller's had a couple of really hot games in a row and maybe he gets a bunch to do while LaMelo's out, but I just, I don't, I'm not sure that there's a ton of, nine cat upside there in the way that scoot could get cooking in a couple months i think i'd rather have Ubre over scoot over miller long term obviously the very short term brandon miller is the best option because he's playing starting and Lamelo's out um and Ubre's not back yet but so sort of a flip depending on what part of the year you're looking at i'm trying to trade vooch in a head-to-head -head points league who should i target uh, it's not gonna go great for you because his numbers are quiet just sort of plodding along in that 60 range in 9-cat, and probably lower than that in points, if I'm guessing right here. Uh, so I don't know is the answer to that question. Sorry, dude. I don't actually have the answer to that one.
Who is your favorite player to watch in the NBA? So I get a weird kick out of watching the incredible defenders of the NBA. Uh, and more specifically, the ones that get steals and shot blocking. So, um, and that's not that's not my way of saying that I'm about to answer this question with Brooke Lopez because, you know, hanging back and drop coverage and being incredible at it is fun, but it's not, like, super exciting. Um, so I love Nikola Jokic, who's not, a, you know, getting a ton of defensive plays, but just everything he does is nuts. I have no idea how he does these things. Um, I love watching Anthony Davis when he's going because he's just blocking everything, and then he's also a force on the other end. Uh, I love watching Kevin Durant, who get who does block shots and then is like one of the most efficient scorers ever. I mean, there's so much awesomeness in the NBA right now. Luca's pretty cool. I I don't have the same like heart tingle for Luca. He's unbelievable, but his game is a little more sort of fluid and slow in a way that doesn't explode to the eyes. He does these step back three point shots that are crazy and he like he's amazing. But it doesn't have that sort of like, oh kind of moment. So I guess that's kind of the answer to that question. You guys are piling up these questions here late. I'm only doing one more minute. What do I do with Bradley Beal? You gotta sit on him. Should I drop RJ Barrett and add someone with four games in a points league? No, RJ Barrett should be held in points leagues. Uh, nine cat you can drop him. Brogdon, rest of season. Would you trade him for Kobe White? Hmm. I think if you could do it in like... God, I don't know. I don't know when this Chicago blow-up is going to happen. That's what makes this question so hard. The answer is probably yes for the second half of the season, but I just, like... What if Zach Levine is there until February? Yeah, that's a hard question, man. Ah, dude, good question, Ian. Mm. I'm going to say no right now. Who do you think is going to win MVP this year? Ah, oh, God, love it. It's probably going to be Jokic again. I just don't, I don't see how somebody right now passes, like Tyrese Halliburton... Shea Gilgis-Alexander, these are the, the sort of dark horse options, if you want to call it that at this point. Luka. I don't see how those guys get more votes than Jokic, though. Should I stick with JJJ since his value is so low? People in my league love him, so I might be able to get a top 25 or 30 for him. Just six cats. Yeah, if you can get top 25 or 30, I'm okay with selling. I just, like, that to me is a target for him. But I feel like most people are would sell for way less than that in a lot of leagues. Favorite Cal basketball player. Where's my Cal hat? There it is up on the wall over there. Uh, so some of you guys know I went to Cal Berkeley. I had to throw Berkeley in there because a lot of people don't know what it is when you just call it Cal. Uh, it is a uh, UC school in Northern California known for its nerds and um, hippies, <laughs> which was a delightful time. Um, so obviously, I mean, you know, the best basketball player to play at Cal was likely Jason Kidd, but that was before I was there. Um, I was there during kind of like a weird, I was there in a weird time because Cal football got good briefly in the early 2000s and basketball was kind of like a little meh, but yeah, Leon Poe was there kind of right at the end, I think of my tenure. Um, you always have a little bit of a soft spot for guys that played for the team while you're actually in school there, but very few of those dudes 
made the NBA when I was there. Like, do you guys remember Rod Benson, who played, I think, in the NBA for like a year and then went overseas and then started the Ball Don't Lie? Uh, no, it was a different one. What what blog did he start that got bought out? That he was always a fun one. I, I like the characters, man. Like the characters of Cal. That's those are my favorite. Marshawn Lynch just turned out to be a character who was also very good at football. Jalen Williams or Chris Paul? Points League. Who do I end up dropping? Probably ends up being Chris Paul in a 10-teamer, but, man, that's tough. Someone dropped Devin Vassell, and I added him for Zach Collins in a Points League. Good move? Yeah, I like it, and that's where, that's where we're done. 47 minutes, and we're out. I did a lot of questions that I wasn't planning on doing, but whatever. We're back from Thanksgiving break. I want to make it count. Good luck. Set your lineups, everybody. You got an hour and 10 minutes to do it, and... Pay attention to who makes the quarterfinals from the in-season tournament. We'll know after tomorrow. You can start to plan ahead. Moves you can make towards the end of this week to get you games on those low-traffic days, the high-quality, quality days, as Martin Lawrence would say in uh, Bad Boys. You need that quality time with those players on Monday and Tuesday next week. I'm at Dan Vespersover on Twitter. Thanks again to Derek Ball, at DBallBball on Twitter. Like, rate, subscribe. You guys know the deal. Tell your friends. Tell your friends. That's how we'll grow this boat. And we'll see you over in Discord. And we'll see you tomorrow. Buy low show of the week. You guys seem to like that one. So we'll do another. Later, everybody.